This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to A Real Man Wood Podcast. This is Chris Liss, your host. And as usual, I'm talking with my co-host from Yahoo Sports, Dalton Del Don. What's going on, man? How's it going? Uh it's going all right. A different schedule, different time this week, Liz. I've already talked to you. It seems like enough today. We did our XM draft this morning. I dominated you in the NFL playoffs league, which we have a side bet. Um, yeah, I have a few things to say, but um, first off, how, how are you doing, Liz? Uh, I'm good. Uh, I was just hanging out with your boss last night, actually, um, Jason Klobacha in Lisbon, and he and his family came over. We had a few drinks, went to uh, this pretty good Italian place, talked to a lot of Yang about you. He was saying a lot of shit about you. Uh, I highly doubt that. He's a good guy. He has a good judge of character. I, I he was, love he was, no, no. He, we, we were commiserating about the, the nutless <laughs> monkiness of, of working with you. It was, it was tough. I think I helped him get through it, though. I really do. I think I was, uh, yeah. it was really helpful to him. You are an OG there. You do know from, from the original. But the first time you guys were together, um, you guys were like blacked out and sent me a, a photo, but um, so I, have, I didn't get one this time. But I am yeah, glad we, you guys hung out, Jason, good, good, good buddy, and and my boss. And now you've met his 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 family before even I have, so that's kind of crazy because I've been around Jason a million times. But glad you guys it, met up. I'm much more in the inner circle than you are, obviously. It was fun. It was a good. It was a good time. Uh, we didn't go all the way to the level we were in Minneapolis, but we did have a few drinks. And we're at this Italian place down the street from me. Um, called San Giovese, and I guess that's a region in Italy or an area in Italy where they have that particular kind of food. And it looks like this restaurant that's like, it's got this blonde wood. It's kind of like new, it's brand new. It looks a little, not cheesy, but like just doesn't look like it would be legit. But the food is really legit. And uh, they also made a, a mean Manhattan. I started ordering Manhattans after drinking a bunch of wine, and Jason joined me, and they were delicious. I mean, and, and they're six euros. That's the thing about Lisbon. Like a Manhattan, like a oh, delicious man. Manhattan was six euros. Amazing. So, yeah, it was good times uh, and probably go back there soon. Cool. And did you have a good New Year's? Uh, I did have a good New Year's. It was mellow. We just went to this Nepalese place near us. And you know how New Year's is always a shit show? Like there's always these uh, prefix menus that are like 150 bucks and it's not right. even good. Uh, and then, you know, it's just like as people are so desperate to do something on New Year's and a lot of things are closed. Uh, and so we didn't really plan because we just gotten in the day before from 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 London. So we didn't have any plans. So we just luckily were able to like get a table at this Nepalese place with this other family that we're friends with. And it was like for a lot of delicious food, really legit Nepalese, like goat and lamb and these like samosa type things. It was, it was really good. And you get dessert and Two bottles of wine. It was, it was a legit deal. It was like 40 bucks a piece for six of us yeah. on New Year's. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's just like so good. And, yeah. and, there, and the so restaurant's different. like, so different. oh, so different, you know? And so then you go home. We had these people over, had a few bottles of wine, and uh, 
it was very chill. We just talked and hung out. It was it was very mellow, but it was you know my age, state, and life is exactly the New Year's uh, I was happy to have. Well, mine was even more mellow. I didn't even make it to midnight, sadly. Um, I'm an old man. I actually tried. I was watching a movie. I fell asleep. Knew I was getting up earlier the next morning is my own excuse. My only excuse. But uh, yeah, I didn't even watch the, the the ball drop. Pretty uh pretty sad. But um, I did go skiing the next day for the first time, and I might as well say my life uh, since I was like five. And that started out as a disaster, taking a lesson. But my my father-in-law was actually super patient um, and, and helped me. And uh, end of the day able to control my speed of course just the very very bunniest of hills but i enjoyed it and I'll, I'll go back and i'll do it again it was a good bonding experience with my father-in-law so i'm, I'm glad i did that are you, are you much of a skier list or snowboarder uh and no, i'm a skier but i'm not a good skier but i love it like i'll go anytime i we went a couple years ago in andorra which is this tiny little country i think we probably talked about on this pod between france and spain i mean it's smaller than rhode island i think and they have pretty good skiing there i mean it's not like the alps but it we, we stayed in this amazing resort probably half the price of the Alps resorts, but it was like super luxurious and you skied like right into the hotel basically. So it was, you know, no dealing. You just, there's a little locker room where you put your boots and stuff and your skis. And in the morning you just went down there, put them, you know, snapped them on and just, you were right at the slopes. And uh, I love it, man. I I would ski much more, but it's just expensive. And fortunately Lisbon is not close to skiing. There's really no good, there's really no good place to ski around here. So there's a, there's a little skiing in Northern Portugal, which it's like, first of all, it's hard to pass and drive up there in the winter. And then if you can, it's like a couple of shitty bunny hills. It would be okay for Sasha. We took her to ski school a couple of years ago, but she was really too young. And now she has roller skates and she's getting around the city in roller skates and she's getting good at it. So it's like the perfect time to get her skiing. But I don't know if we really have plans. So it's just expensive. It's just like a big deal. Like doing this trip to Spain in like a month. And Heather's like, oh, should we stop and do skiing? We're going right through the ski area. I'm like, well, when are we going to stop? Oh, for one day. I'm like, so you want to get there? You want to leave the hotel at like 6 in the morning so we get there at 8 to go skiing? She's like, no, we'll just go in the afternoon. I'm like, okay, so we're going to rent all that shit and pack all of our ski stuff just to do one afternoon of skiing in a week-long trip? You just can't. Skiing is hard. You, you got to like, you got to set right. it up. Oh, right. no, you got to have at least do. three days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you got to yeah. have like three days to do that shit. You got to like. You can't just, you know, go for half a day. It's just not worth it. So, I don't know, man, but I love it. I love it so much. I skied in New Zealand with my friend. I skied in, uh, I skied in the West Coast like once when I was, uh, you know, in high school. But like most of my skiing I did growing up was in shit East Coast skiing. Vermont skiing in the winter is first it's fucking freezing. It's not like Colorado or Utah where it's like 33 and sunny. It's fucking freezing and cloudy and you know, and it, and it's all ice. There's the, the slopes are terrible. So that's how I learned to ski. Well, I, my parents have a cabin uh, right by Dodge Ridge, which is certainly not a great place, but it's an option. But I never, never tried it growing up. My dad was always a snowmobiler, so that's what I did. But I, I was definitely a fish out of water, to say the least. And I'm certainly sore today doing it. But I'm glad I did it, and it was fun. And uh, and Chloe, my five and a half year old, had a five hour snowboarding lesson. Which definitely in hindsight was too long. She told me afterward, Dada, please, please don't ever make me skateboard again. <laughs> Which I thought was, was and she you like ruined confided it. in she was like really pushing through it, was good too. But then she kind of confided me like quietly by herself and I kind of cried and said, Oh, I'd never make you do that. We, I'm glad you tried, you know, like I don't know, not make you do that again if you didn't like it, but hopefully it didn't ruin it. And next time it would not be a, such a lengthy lesson and it would be with her friends. But I hope I didn't ruin it because I need her to become some sort of professional athlete. But yeah, that was. That was sad to hear that, but I think she had fun for at least hopefully the first couple hours. But um, you sound like you're a skier, though. 
destroyed the one, one of the most joyous things in life. Is skiing. You just destroyed yeah. that for her. Well, I'm just just getting started with the destroying of my yeah. my, my children's, uh, yeah. believe me. But so it's not like you're a skier because I've asked everyone, what should I start with? And most people said, you know, if you're starting from scratch, do skiing. And, and that's what I did. And that you would have probably said the same. So that's what you are. Yeah, I'm a skier, but that's only because snowboarding didn't really, I mean, it existed, but nobody was right, doing exactly. that shit in 1980, yes, exactly. you know, 1980, 1981. And secondly, you know, if you're an adult, I mean, snowboarding, apparently it's easier to get good at snowboarding. But you fall on your ass a lot when you're starting, and it's just miserable for a while. So you have to like push. You have to like waste a day or two just getting through the miserable part, I think. And then, so if you like live near a a slope year round, like to waste a day or two is no big deal to learn. But if like you're like me and you're spending like a lot of money every night and you flew in with your family to rent some stuff, you know you can't just waste two days learning to snowboard competently. You're never gonna. You're never not gonna just ski. Right. Okay. All right, you and, and by the way, I'm, I'm by no means a good skier. Like I, I went skiing with uh, my brother-in-law, Heather's sister's husband, in Colorado, and he was like on the ski team, I think, at University of Colorado. And I was like just skiing some intermediate slope or whatever, and you know, I just turning each way, turning as I go down the hill. That dude just going straight down the fucking hill. He's he's turning side to side in like a three foot radius. He's not like going across the slope and across the slope. He's just straight down the hill, barely turning his skis. I mean, I was like, Jesus, man. He gave them the weight up for me like halfway down. It's like a maniac. Yeah, my, my father-in-law claimed he's one of the best 62-year-olds at skiers in the United States. And I have no frame of reference, but he certainly looked good. And he, and he was helpful. But uh, yeah, he's like double blacks, no problem or whatever. But um, yeah. I, I would like to see you see you try it. But um, you got anything else before we get into football? Let's I'd like to see you try things. some double blacks, especially with like a cliff on the side where you could actually uh, oh, take a wrong turn. His impression of me flailing, I nearly fell off even, forget double black, I could fall off anything. It was, it was pretty bad. Uh, yeah, I'm, I guess I, I wasn't quite as coordinated as, as I had hoped to be. But um, like I said, I'm paying for it now with soreness. But hope, I don't think anyone got me on film. But I did, oh, I ate shit bad going up that rope in the lesson. That's why I cut yeah. the lesson half short because <laughs> I couldn't handle that. I got up there halfway and then I just completely lost it and ate it in front of everyone. And then could barely stop going down really fast. And then I said, all right, I'm going to have to go. Go, go away from people. Uh, so anyway, but um, anyway, I'm glad I did it and I'll probably will go back certainly if, if Chloe's into it. But, um, um, oh, oh, listen, last weekend, and I know you love this, the fantasy pros, I, I, I crushed week 16 and I finished uh, top 10 of the year. What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, out of the 12 people that do it, I think top 10 is great. 144. I think it's like 144 to everyone in the industry, basically. Actually, I think Rotowire has a pretty good excuse. You, you, uh, you guys are behind a paywall. So just wanted to brag about that and uh to the person who would shit on it the most and that is you so uh yeah. for for my uh, it's a garbage it's a garbage contest congratulations <laughs> how did brad evans do like Although, 15th how did brad evans do this year um i'm not i'm not sure i don't think he did uh super well and how did pnl so. do I, I don't know everyone's offhand i don't know everyone's offhand exactly where they finished but i yeah. i know um week 16 is the most important week and um and a uh, fantasy, and I crushed it uh, by by more than one standard deviation. Which I'm t- they said there's a quote in the fantasy article, uh, fantasy sports article that's uh, basically you could not uh, do a perfect, more perfect set of rankings than Dalton did in week 16, which I thought was funny. So again, I just wanted to highlight that to you because you shit on it the most. Okay, congratulations! I, I I'm so proud <laughs> of you. you. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Let's talk about your Giants now. And uh, you made us use him in a super contest last week, and not the Panthers for some reason, even though. You thought that was a crazy line, and uh, they ended up winning. Uh, what uh, that was a joke that that spread in hindsight. But uh, we finished three and two. What was our overall record? I think we we're forty eight, thirty six, and one. I think that adds up to eighty five, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm talking to catch a nap, but you know, for a couple of a uh, couple of idiots, that's it, not horrible. But you you probably carried us. You had a really strong year overall yourself, personally. Yes. I think probably is a little bit of an understatement, but yeah, I had a good oh, year. I, <laughs> I, I went, I went 141, 106, and however many ties there were, nine ties. So uh, that that was a pretty good year. It's my best year since 2000. Only 10 and 7 on best bets, which you know, obviously I'd like to be better on that, but it was just a good year. I, I don't know if it's just dumb luck or uh, just doing the lines without you know, just looking at the schedule every week and make my own non-rigorous gut feel lines where I'd really have trouble choosing between the two teams and then comparing them to the actual lines uh, was what did it for me. Uh, I have to say that one thing that helped me was uh, when Rufus Peabody came to Lisbon last year, I was looking at his stuff and he was showing me stuff. And I, I always dismissed Rufus, not Rufus personally, but just all those guys with the algorithms. I'm like, who gives a shit? Like, it's very unpredictable, the NFL. It's very complex. I don't think people can beat it. But when I saw that he was betting serious uh, amounts of his own money on it, I was like, okay, he's not just full of shit. He's like backing this up. Like, he's really risking a lot on his you know, on his algorithm and on his methods. So I started to have more respect for it and take it seriously. And one of the things that he did, which is not really like, you know, he just, he does it totally differently than I do. And he has a much more rigorous way of doing it, but he always had all these random picks. Like it wasn't like the sharp picks like, Oh, I got to take this team getting three and a half at home on Monday night against this big favorite, even though this team is terrible because no one's going to take them. It's, it's the sharp play. I used to think like that, and maybe that was true 20 years ago, but now that shit doesn't work. At best, you'll get like 51%, and at worst, sometimes you won't even break 50% making those kind of bets. And he never did that. He actually just evaluated everything based on his numbers, and a lot of times he'd be on favorites. He'd be on favorites that you'd be like, God, you're laying points on the road with that team, but he would just do it because his numbers said to do it. And it just sort of liberated me from like being so underdog biased, which was really kind of a handicap. I'd always feel like a second guess oh, I don't know, I got to go with the underdog. And it just freed me up to really make my lines as I saw fit to go favorite heavy. I remember in like week 16, I think it was week 17, I don't know, I was, I was like all favorites almost. And I was like, Jesus, I would never do this. And ended up 11 and five in week 17. So I don't, I don't know, so for a while I got stuck. And I don't want to act like, oh, I've solved this now. Watch, next year I'll win another 135, 140 games against the spread because who the hell knows? You never have the shit Yeah, team. but you're... You're definitely going to use that same method, though, obviously. Oh, of course, of course. But you never have it tamed. You know, you never, you think like, oh, this works. I, I, yeah. I think this is working as a method. And it's not, you know, it doesn't, it's no substitute for actually eyeballing the lines and trusting your job. I mean, you know, just saying to do this isn't going to help you win unless you really have a good feel for what the line should be. Obviously, I was doing that, doing a good job of that. So I could do this exact method, but just be off my game and like the, the lines that I would take would be would be off. So I don't know. I it worked this year. I'm gonna obviously keep doing it. Yeah, the second you think you have something yeah, that figured out, uh, you'll be humbled quickly. Um, I hear you, but yeah. So I, we, I was reading this right. uh, Nassim Taleb tweet where he's like, guy, yeah. he's saying that the sucker is not basically the sucker is the guy who thinks he has it figured out, and the guy who's not a sucker is the guy who knows that no one has it figured out. Yeah, I concur. Um, what do you want to, well, I want to ask you a few things about your giants. Um, because we made that, but we briefly touched about it on XM, but you know, we did make that bet about Eli Manning. And I think you might've even forgotten about it. Cause we wanted to settle up. Well, not settling up. Obviously this hasn't happened yet for next year, but I'm not yeah, sure if we actually 
followed through with an email on this one like we typically do is what I'm saying. But do you know that, um, first off, do you realize that Eli finished with his highest YPA since 2011 and his lowest interception percentage of his career this year? Did you realize that? Obviously, he is horrible and YPA is relative, um, yeah, especially if, this, this yeah, year. It's, it's a really bad – it doesn't tell a tale. First of all, like the league-wide YPA was 7.4. I think the highest ever was 7.2 before this. So there's been quarterback inflation across the board. So his 7.5 YPA, you know, he had 8.4 one year in 2011. He was actually good that year. But you know, even though that was like the third highest YPA of his career, it's kind of meaningless because it's inflated. It's, you know, if you were to adjust it for era, it would be more like 7.2. Secondly, he only threw 21 TDs and 576 attempts. That is pitifully low when you have Odell Beckham, Evan Ingram. I mean, they were both banged up for a couple games, but Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley, you're throwing 21 TDs. On 576 attempts, that is very low. Then, uh, on top of that, he uh, rushed for 20 yards the whole season. 15 carries for 20 yards. He took 358 yards on sacks, the sixth most sack yardage of all QBs. Think about that. If you're Deshaun Watson and you take a ton of sacks and lose a lot of yards on sacks, fine. You're also scrambling for a lot of positive yards, and you're also you know, buying time and throwing downfield to DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller for long touchdowns. So there's a point to taking long sacks. Yeah, you pay the price now and then, but there's a big payoff. With Eli, there's no payoff. He doesn't buy time. He doesn't get positive gains with his legs. He's just purely a, a negative with those sacks. So the sacks and the sack yardage was absolutely brutal. And then, yeah, the lack of TDs, despite having all these weapons. I mean, that's also poor. And then you have the inflated you know, yardage, total, the inflated uh, YPA totals. He was just a bad QB, and he may not have been as yeah, bad as yeah. Bortles or Josh Rosen or somebody like that. You know, he was, he's just, but he's bad, and he's also expensive. He's due $23 million next year. If they cut him, they save 17 of that. I'm not arguing he's not a, a bum and shouldn't be back, but our $50 bet was I said he will be back, and since then, it sounds like he, he might not, really. It's, it, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? That's what I wanted to get at here. What do you think of Gettleman's comment? Well, I mean... At first, when I read them, I was like, oh, sweet. Like, he's saying we had to have a hard talk, no, no holds barred, all this stuff. We had to have a genuine assessment, what's best for the Giants, blah, blah, blah. It sounded like, okay, they're going to part ways. It makes the most sense. But then why haven't they done it? Like, why hasn't this happened? Why aren't they like, Eli Manning will not be back? I mean, what's, what's the, what's the holdup? Yeah. Right? Well, give me an explanation. Why? Tonight. What's, yeah. No, I, well, I'm hoping that he's, he's returning, so I win that. Actually, I'm not hoping that because I want to see Barkley and, and Beckham with a different quarterback. So, yeah, no, I would still – so you're still concerned is what you're saying. Yeah, I'm saying what would you think the explanation is if they had basically decided to move on, but they haven't cut him yet or they haven't said anything yet? I don't, the draft, I guess. See where the, the draft unfolds. That would be the kind of the obvious answer, right? The Haskins or or see whether what trades happen during the draft. They could get Foles or they can get – Winston, yeah. or they can yeah. get somebody and see where they're at. I mean, maybe they don't have to decide until June 1st. I mean, maybe they, they're planning to cut him, but he's like a last resort. I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, I don't see yeah, them drafting. Some, some, some report like Eli like met with them or something. And more like he wanted to make sure they weren't going to have another, almost like they need to recruit him to come back or something. That's how they framed that, which I found pretty funny. Yeah, that, that's embarrassing. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, it, his dad, his dad denied it, but he's like, you know, he's like, Eli does have a year or two left in his career, 
he's like, but you know, he's not going to play again, you know, under those circumstances or something like that, basically. So, anyway. right. We, we we he just can't be playing with Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, and Saquon Barkley. We need to, yeah. you know, put him on a, a team with no receivers. And I, I don't know. I I just hope he's gone. I just don't. I don't like the guy. I don't. I don't like him as a as a player or person. Well, one other thing I want to bring up, Giants, real quickly, and I don't. I don't even. I'm curious your opinion on it more than anything. Um, so Saquon Barkley had like a ton of 40 yards or more rushes this year, um, and obviously it was like that in college, but. You're the one who likes to bring up the point when it comes to running backs and quarterbacks as far as getting first downs. So do you know the Giants finished last in rushing first downs? So like, do you, does, what, what do you have to respond to that as Team Barkley? I mean, how is that, how is that Barkley's fault? How is that Barkley's fault? Okay, all right. So it's just not Barkley's fault. Okay, so well, that, that, is, I mean, that is part of the thing. Your argument is, is the fact that they have this rule. You know, you have to move it more. Well, they entered Week 17 last in rushing first downs. I don't know. This is, it's just an interesting thing that I thought of based on all of your arguments for, for that pick. Wait, but there's a disconnect, though. There's a disconnect. Uh, what, do you think the Giants had a good offense this year? No, I don't. So, I don't, I mean... Of course, they're going to get fewer first downs. Their offense is bad. So, okay. so you see, you there's, know, there's no connection. If you have a bottom-of-the-barrel QB, you can't win no matter who the running back is. Okay. All right. So there is no connection there. Okay. All right. And you're fine with the boot. Yeah. I mean, you think bus. there's something deficient about Saquon Barkley in terms of being able to rush for a first down on short yardage or something? No, I don't. I don't at all. No. So, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. How could that be like, oh... He's actually not that good because he hasn't rushed for a lot of first downs. How, how, would, right, that, what would, how would that right. argument go? It, it you're saying, you're, really. you're saying I, that I, just, I wanted to point that out to you. I knew that you. Yeah, I got you. You're just saying there's a zero connection whatsoever there. Uh, well, I mean, fine. do you? I mean, I, I make the argument. Make the other side. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to hear the other side of the argument. Barkley's no, not it's, good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not Barkley's inefficient. You're right. It, it, it is more of a sign of the symptomatic of the entire overall problem of that offense. I got you. I, yeah, I, I and the that. offense, okay. you know, was like okay at times. It's just that you just you just can't have a QB that is incapable of making a play where there is none, and is very capable of throwing the pick or the, taking the bad sack. In this day and age, I don't know if we talked about this last week. I know I talked about it with Jeff on the XM show, but like, look at the quarterbacks around the league. You have Deshaun Watson, you have Pat Mahomes, you have Baker Mayfield, even Trubisky, who isn't very good, but he's incredibly mobile. You have Cam Newton, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cashback or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. These guys can make all sorts of amazing plays when the play breaks down. I mean, these are incredibly athletic quarterbacks. And then you have the old guys like Breeze, Brady, 
Rivers, Roethlisberger, who are like masters in the pocket. And if you're if you can't make a play with your legs the way these, the the new crop of quarterbacks can, even like a healthy Wentz, you know, from last year before he got hurt was like that. If you can't do that, you better be Brady. You better have Brady Breeze Rivers, because if you don't have a master in the pocket who can pre, you know read the defense pre snap and super accurate and makes great decisions, and you don't have someone who can make a play like Prescott or Newton or somebody. You're screwed. You can't go in there with Eli Manning or Andy Dalton as your quarterback. You can't. You can't compete like that. You got to get a new QB. And so that's. It's. I mean, that's just the thing. It's like you're trying to evaluate the offense, but it's like, dude, you just can't. Eli's just not up to snuff. It's not even close. Andy Dalton is better than Eli, and he's not up to snuff. I don't think Matthew Stafford's good enough anymore. You just can't have a guy unless he's like truly elite. As a pocket passer, I think you draw the line around Matt Ryan, who's pretty good. And after that, like, if you're not as good as that in the pocket, you better be able to make some plays with your legs. I hope Beckham doesn't become injury-prone the rest of his career. Sometimes when these players suffer a serious injury, and now and then back-to-back years, I hope, I hope he does not become uh, injury-prone throughout the rest of his tenure there. But, yes, the Giants need a quarterback, no question. One more question I want to throw at you before we get to the games list this is serious and obviously, I mean, it's just, it's just very frustrating. Why is Chuck Pagano, Mike McCarthy, Jim Caldwell, and Hugh Jackson getting interviewed seriously for head coaching positions in the NFL? Well, I mean, the, the craziest one is Hugh Jackson. He was 1-31 and 31 heading into this year, and he was bad, and he obviously destroyed the Browns this year. The Browns probably would have made the playoffs if they, don't, if they fire Hugh, have a competent coach, Baker takes over week one. They probably make the playoffs. And this idiot decides to have Baker Mayfield practice for the third team, doesn't put him in until he's forced to because Tyrod Taylor got hurt in that Jets game. And what what is you know, this guy is so out to lunch. How is how is he who does he have pictures of? Like he was one in thirty one heading into this year. How did he still have the job? It's just amazing. But well, yeah, and the co- fact how and how quickly the Browns turned around right after he left, you know, and how much they clearly despised him, too. It's just so weird. I mean, how is that guy? I mean, so, and then Chuck Pagano, I always say the, the day he gets hired is the day he becomes the 32nd best coach in the NFL. He was, I had him and McAdoo neck and neck. I even had McAdoo ahead of him. Not only did Pagano always punt in the most obvious go for it situations, but he got Andrew Luck killed pretty much. Like he was, he didn't know how to protect Luck. He's terrible. And, you know, and then these other guys like McCarthy's been so washed up for like five. McCarthy's basically the Eli of the Packers because he, he is way past his prime and they're still giving him credit for a Super Bowl, you know, six, seven years ago. So he's awful. And then Caldwell actually is the one I like best of the bunch. He was okay in Detroit and he was, you know, he had success in Indy with obviously with Peyton Manning. But I think Caldwell would be the best of those that group. But just, just in general, though, these retreads that we have so much evidence in front of us, like McCarthy can't make it work with, with Rodgers. I know it's not as simple as that, but it's like, ah, man, for billion-dollar franchises, I just feel like they could just think outside that box a little bit more, or the cocoon, as they call it. I mean, it's just annoying. I mean, I don't know. There's obviously not a plausible explanation, but why in the hell does it just keep happening over and over? I mean, because it's, just, it's, the same, it's the same reason. You know, if like you're in Hollywood and you get a script sold, even if it's a shitty movie, oh, you got that made? Okay, we'll buy your other script. Or you've done this before? Okay, we'll hire you again. 
it's because somebody else vouched for you by hiring you before or buying your script or, you know, hiring you as a coach. Like it, it's, you're not the only one who thought he could coach. If you pick out some guy from a college program or somebody that nobody knew was a head coaching candidate and you're the guy who gives him the first chance and he's terrible, then it's like, what the hell were you thinking? I, I really think people in some of these organizations are just trying not to get fired. They're just trying not to get embarrassed. And so they just, if they piggyback off of someone else's decision, then they're a lot safer. I think that happens all the time. If you take a chance on something new and it doesn't work out, you know, then you just, it's like, what the hell? It, it's completely on you. Whereas if you hire a guy who's bad but was already hired, it's sort of on everybody that ever hired that guy. It's sort of like, well, you know, they, they recommended him to me. Yeah, that's the only possible explanation, but I mean, it's just so, so frustrating. You'd think an owner would have enough money to not care and <laughs> just try to do whatever he wanted, but I don't know. It's, it's wildly Well, I don't think it's the owner. I think it's the GMs. I mean, I don't know. I don't really yeah. know like how it works. Like, are the GMs and owners, and this is probably varies from organization. Yeah, Like, no, sure. no, no, we're realistic. We, we read the sabermetric stuff. We know those guys are terrible coaches. We're going to bring them in for an interview because politically, if you don't bring in you know, Mike McCarthy, you know, he, he's good friends with the other uh, assistant coaches around the league and the assistant right. coaches on our team. Right. And they'll say, you know, take it as a sign of disrespect to him. And it, there's probably like politics that we don't oh, even I know about. That is, yeah. That's a, that's a great reasoning right there. Yes. You know, hopefully that's what it is. Yeah. And it's like, Oh no, no, no. We, we, you, if, if McCarthy's agent calls, who's the same agent for our other people, then you can't turn this guy down. You got to give him a, you know, McCarthy's agent, whoever that is, probably makes a lot of money, and so he probably like makes the appointments for him, or whatever. McCarthy's not on the phone himself, so, you know, that probably is part. Yeah, I don't know. I'm making this up, uh, and I don't know if these guys are like persuaded by it and they're just nutless monkeys, like I described before, or maybe, you know, they they're just like, yeah, yeah, we got to go along with this bullshit. So who knows? I, I don't. Yeah, you'd have to be in one of those front offices, but it definitely looks. Pretty crazy from outside. All right, want to talk these games? You, you, I know you, you said sure. you have a draft coming up. Let's what draft, draft do you have? Like you have a playoff minutes. draft? It's just a playoff draft. A play- yeah, it's some... another playoff draft. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the, the first game that's uh, Saturday afternoon, by far the highest over under. This is the game to target in DFS. Uh, Colts uh, one and a half or two point dogs in Houston. Yeah, I just thought these are equal teams. I mean, you could argue for both teams being better. I could be persuaded either way, but equal teams in Houston. I think the Colts are the more exciting, fun story, but Texans yeah. have Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins. They have star defensive players. Like, I just don't think they should be treated like they're not the full three, so I laid the wood. I know you did too. Yeah, Colts did have a slightly better point differential this year, and as you said, a fun team. And I even brought it up on this podcast. They could have got them at 100-1 to 1 like five weeks ago. But still, it's obviously a long shot. But they are interesting because they defend the run really well, and Houston does too. So this could be a fun game as far as points scored. But yeah, take the points, Houston. I, we faded them a lot. I know you did a lot as well with me this year to our detriment. The home team here, why? Like, oh, I'm going to say the same thing all the all these three next three, two other games. Why are they not, you know, the full three point? Yeah, and it, the Cowboys I wanted to fade because I was like, why are they going all out to beat the Giants? That was just dumb. And that's why. By the way, we circling back. I took the Giants because I was positive Dak would sit, and he played the whole game. They had it covered with like two minutes left, but of course Dak makes this throw and Beasley makes the catch and gets his knee down. But like, 
Like, why is that even a thing? They were locked into the four seed. So, yeah, of course I wouldn't have taken the Giants minus six and a half against yeah, like they were the somehow, full- Yeah, they were they somehow covering a six and a half point spread when they were down in the game at one point, 14 nothing, and Dak played 100% of the snaps? I mean, that's pretty unlikely. And it took a miracle Beasley catch. Exactly. And the thing is, like, and it was just so. I don't. I don't think that was a bad call. I think it was the right call. It's just I should have, as you said, taken the the Panthers because I had that game as a pick'em. I saw it was like plus nine. It was eight and a half at the Super Contest. I don't know why. Like I was like I just thought, oh yeah, I forgot about Bridgewater. Okay, I was missing that. And because I forgot about Bridgewater, I just filed that way as oh my line. I was just missing some information. Right, but it never right. occurred to me to think, wait, okay, I was missing the Bridgewater information. What's that worth? Three more points from the scrub that I thought they were going to use that I forgot. So I should have said it, it should have been, you know, New Orleans minus three. And it was New Orleans minus eight and a half. That was like a no-brainer. But yep. I just, I just, it was like what happened, you know, it was just in my mind. I just said, oh, I, I missed something. Yeah. And then I just didn't explore it further. So that was dumb. But the Giants pick was, I still think, the right pick. You know, if I just, if you had told me Dak was playing the whole game, I wouldn't have made it. But I thought it was a fair yeah, assumption that he was. Cam Newton clearly was holding Carolina back all year. Kyle Allen looking good. But yeah, speaking of Dak, then the Sunday night game, I don't know why. they. That was his best game of his career. I mean, I guess they're going in with momentum is what the argument is, but no clue. I mean, I, I obviously would sit, sit Zeke, who had like 40 more carries than any other running back this season, even with sitting out the last week. But, but I mean, Dak playing that whole game was, was really crazy. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, Brady not only played the whole game, but he threw a touchdown to Edelman, their other key player. I mean, they don't have any receivers. They need Edelman. But it was 31 to 3. It was 30. I love that. So it's like the fucking Jets, like in your face, Jets. Oh, yeah, you think you're going to get out with a 28 point loss? No, you're not. You're going to get out with a 35 point loss. And we're going to leave Brady and Edelman in there to secure that 35 point win. I mean, that is just insane. And the thing is, I don't, you know, I don't want to say Belichick's always right. Oh, you can't question Belichick. But if Belichick's wrong, it's not, again, like, what an idiot. He has no idea what he's doing. That's clearly not a valid critique. The critique would be like, why is he risking injury? And he must have a reason. Like maybe it's just, you, you got the bye week. So he's got plenty of time for everyone to rest. And you want to keep these guys as sharp as possible, as in sync as possible for as long as possible, given that they have ample rest. But so I don't know. I mean, the Cowboys have a game this week. It was a, a bit crazy. And, and obviously the Patriots needed to win that game, but there was no reason to have Brady throwing throwing the ball, you know, risking getting sacked to Edelman in the fourth quarter. No, there wasn't. I had Edelman going to DFS. So I was happy for that, but it was crazy. Yeah, that was it was, actually, it wasn't just the fourth quarter. There were three minutes left in the game when he scored that touchdown. Yeah, I know. 31-3, three, three minutes left to go up 38-3. to three, Just totally absurd. Um, so, so Dallas did play their guys, and they seemingly did not suffer any serious injury. And Saturday night uh, looks like it should be a great game. Uh, Seattle. Did, did, didn't Kyle Vander Esch get hurt, though? Did he come back? Is he fine? Is that not an oh, issue? I, you're right. You know, you're right. I did see him hobble off. You're right. But um, I, I haven't seen any reports, so I just assumed he was okay. That guy but, yeah, is that very guy. good. He's a very key player on their defense. Oh, yeah. So good. Sean Lee's like healthy scratch because of him. Yeah. So, yeah. so who do you like in this one? Who do you like? I, think, I, I, think I said Kyle. Leighton Vander Esch is his name. I said Kyle Vander Esch. Not listed on the Tuesday injury report, so I think he's okay. So I like Dallas. I like the home team here. They're seven and one at home this season. Uh, didn't have Cooper last time they they faced each other. Um, yeah, less than three points. So I think it should be a close game. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Seattle won or anything, but I, I, I would I would take the home home team here. 
I think both these teams are very good and very dangerous because they both play decent defense. I think the Cowboys defense might be a little better, but they they both run the ball well. Russell Wilson scares me. I mean, you bet against Russell Wilson, he can knock you out. He's so dangerous. But the, and, and this game is also a night game. It's not just an afternoon game. It's a night game, which probably favors a West Coast team. Like This is going to be very comfortable for them time-wise. But one of the things about the Seahawks is if you look at you know the Seahawks' overall performance level, it's, there's a big home road disparity because they're so good at home that they proportionally suffer on the road. It goes without saying. It's like the Chargers, you don't worry about them on the road because they're, whatever their performance level, that's right, it. They right. don't get a boost at home. So if they're five points better than the team on a neutral field on average, well, that's what they are on home and road, right? Because they're the same team. Where Seattle might be like seven points better at home and only three points better on the road. You know, if they were five, you know, I don't yep. think they're five points, but say they're three points, they're five at home, one at, on the road. So this is, that, that's kind of why I took the Cowboys is that the traveling Seahawks, you have to dock them a little bit and, you know, they're not getting the full three. So I'm with you. I, I laid the wood, but I have, you know, I have both the Texans and Cowboys winning by three. Yeah, yeah. that sounds right to me. Uh, crazy that Tyler Lockett finished with a perfect passer rating um, when, on throws to him this season. First time ever for someone with that many targets. Um, so you say the time-wise that kind of benefited Seattle. What it didn't benefit is uh, the Chargers having to play 10 a.m. body clock game Sunday morning against Baltimore, two-and-a-half-point dogs. Same yeah. thoughts here. Obviously, you're rooting for the Ravens. I mean, I personally put in an $1,800 uh, yeah, yeah. ticket for you, 18-1 to one, to win the AFC. Well done, Les. I know. I'm happy. Yeah, this is, you know, I don't love this. I, I wanted them to play a different team. The Chargers are a, a tough team. And as I said, like on the road, there's no real, they don't really drop off because they don't have a real home field advantage. And I looked at the weather forecast for this game and it's like 50, 40. It's like uh, the low of that day is 40, but it's, you know, in the morning, it's not going to be 40. It'll probably be close to 50. So 50 degrees is not a problem for any NFL team, even a Los Angeles based one. They're not going to have an advantage there. I just think the body clock time is not great. And the advantage that makes the Chargers good in large part is their pass defense, Casey Hayward. Yes. And uh, what's the rookie's name that they drafted who's really good at the safety? Uh, Derwin James. Derwin James. Like th- those guys, I mean, I guess maybe they can help cover the team. You know, Derwin James can help cover Mark Andrews or something, but there's no real guy to cover for the Ravens. And they just bludgeon you. And then you have the pass rushers and Bosa and Melvin Ingram. And, you know, they may get some sacks, but again, the Ravens are going to be running into them, not the other way around. So you're neutralizing a lot of the strength of this Chargers defense with the way the Ravens play. And then you keep their offense off the field where there's not a whole lot of margin for error. Looks like Melvin Gordon's healthy. He practiced Wednesday, which is always a good sign. So I think he could be a factor. But Ravens are tough against the run. They pressure the passer. I don't think Rivers got really good protection the last few games that I watched. So I think the Ravens Ravens are going to handle this. Yeah, I mean, the first uh, Jackson's the first 21-year-old ever to start a playoff game, and the Chargers definitely scare me more as dogs as they do as slight favorites. And they, they have suddenly transformed into the team that people don't believe in anymore. Um, so that, you know, they are a dangerous team. I would not – this is probably I like the least of, of all my picks, but I did, I did go with Baltimore with you at home. They just dominated them not that long ago. And as you said, the L.A.'s secondary is just totally nullified in this matchup. So I, too, took Baltimore – uh, the next, the Sunday Sunday afternoon one, I made my best bet. Uh, Bears. I made the Ravens my best bet, points. by the way. Oh, interesting. We're, we're, okay, all right. Okay, okay. That is your best bet. All right. 
Um, yeah, so I went Bears best bet uh, minus six against Eagles. Nick Foles is certainly surprised before he probably will do it again, but he's a little banged up, and this Bears defense is just so, so legit. And I like, I don't know, I'm going to believe in defense in this playoffs. I know that's certainly um, proven. Do you think this team is like a good enough defense? I know you like when, 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 when a great offense meets a great defense, like say in the Super Bowl, you blindly pick defense lists. Um, what do you think? What are your thoughts on this Bears unit? I don't know yet. I haven't researched them historically. I would say no. Um, you know, the Ravens and Bears are the two best defenses in the playoffs. And I don't think the Bears were historically good, but I'd have to go back. I mean, you know, you got to get when they get to the Super Bowl, if they dominate in the playoffs uh, and they look like, you know, whether it's close enough and they were playing, you know, the Chiefs or something like that, I would definitely take the Bears with the spread. Uh, if they're, you know, if, uh, but I have to make sure that they're a historically good defense. But every time that's happened, the defense is crushed. And the, and the most recent one was Seattle just destroying Peyton Manning and that record-setting Broncos team. And it's a very good parallel, actually, because the Chiefs are kind of like that. You know, they're kind of like those high-flying Broncos that didn't have much of a defense then and had this great offense, and the Seahawks just came and took them apart. So we'll see. I don't think the Bears will make it, but they could. I mean, I, I think it's wide open. I, I'm very unimpressed by the Saints lately. I'm not that impressed by the Rams. Yeah. I don't really think there's anybody that's – more than like a 65, 35 favorite against teams like the Seahawks or Cowboys or Bears. So I, I could see it happening. Yeah, that's the only non-rematch of the weekend that Bears won. I, I kind of like Trubisky as a sneaky. Uh, I got him in our in our league we were in because that first matchup against the Eagles and then right away against the Rams, man. I don't know. I could see them winning that. But um, I'm with you. There's no obvious favorite. I mean, you got to go Mahomes. I took him. Uh, number one pick, um, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, these obviously, when I took them with the number one pick in the league, sorry, I'm in three of these things. I forget which one I'm in with you, list. But you said that's a clear cut. Number one, you think Mahomes is obvious? I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, the Chiefs, they're going to get a home game, and it's not going to be, well, it could be against the Ravens, which would be pretty ugly as their first game. Right. Not only a team exactly. that had them yeah. beat, but anybody could lose. Anybody could lose their first game. There's no team that we see that maybe the Saints are the least likely to lose their first game. But, you know, if, if the, I don't know, if the Bears win, which they're favored to, I mean, that Dallas-Seattle winner, Dallas just crushed the Saints. I know the score was close, but the game wasn't in Dallas. That's not going to be easy for either of those teams against the Saints. They're not going to have an easy time with them. So anybody could lose that first game. Uh, if you're the Chiefs, you can't fear the Ravens at home. And, yeah, you got to take Mahomes. I mean, in, in, a, in a contest like this where, there's just as much scarcity at quarterback as there is anywhere else. Yeah, you definitely take Mahomes first. Yeah. One seems to have dominated lately, but I'm totally with you that it's a, a crapshoot. But yeah, you still got to go Mahomes in that. That should be a fun one to play out um, like our side bet. So I, all, all, both of us going four home teams, um, all favorites, although obviously three of them under the three points. So we'll see how that goes. I'm sad that Super Contest is finished and you know, another year in the books of full season fantasy football. That's Always sad list, and next year hopefully we'll uh, we'll cash. Um, I don't have much else for you. Uh, do you have anything other than rest in peace, Marty Funkhauser, Super Dave oh, Osborne yeah, died. Yeah, yeah, Marty I Funkhauser. Mean, not greatest, cool. I mean, it's a, the greatest apology ever issued on a show when he didn't yeah. apologize because he was late, and Larry scolded him, and then he came in and made like the most subservient apology ever, which was like he was like, "I'm so sorry, Larry." It was great. Yeah. I really, I really. I love that because I have an issue. Like people should apologize properly when they've done something wrong. So I'm, I'm with Larry on that. And, and Funkhauser delivered. And yeah, I, I love that guy. And sad that he died. 
But one more thing. Let's got to get a Super Bowl prediction for the playoff start. Um, I will say Ravens versus the Ravens versus the Rams, and the Ravens win. Okay, Ravens win. All right, let's, I'll say. Oh man, I'll go Bears over Chiefs. Okay. All right, a little chalkier than me. It's uh, befitting. All right, man. Keep Chalk. talking. I got to run and get do this uh, do this draft. That's pretty chalky. The one versus the three. All right, I think a wild wild card. Team I'm doing the it, four right, versus right. the two. Real yeah, man, pretty, real man doesn't right. have a one seed in there. Right. Even though PNL pointed out nine out of ten one seeds made the Super Bowl last. All right, I got to run, man. Take it easy. Talk to you next right. week. Later, later, right, later, later.